This is Wessler Media. For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on, and they're trying to figure out, how do I deal with this? And I always know Jesus has the answer. He has that next step for you. Let's open up the Word today and see what God will say specifically to you. So today we're talking about growth and motivation, and it's your next step. This is your step spiritually. And and the, the reason this is important is I want to know what is the problem? What's keeping you from growing right now? You know, recently I was reading a book and this young lady, she had been through a stroke. Yeah, she was in her 30s. She shouldn't have gone through a stroke, but she did. And her mom showed up at rehab and her mom was trying to encourage her and motivate her. It was near Halloween and she said, we're going to do something different. You and I, instead of going and trick-or-treating around the rehab center, you and I are going to go give away candy. She said her daughter looked at her with a frown. She was like, no way, don't want to do that. Because this girl, she was already introverted, and the stroke had left her with trouble with her speech. She walked a little bit awkward. Everything about it was not easy. Her mom said, nope, we're doing this. And so she gave her this bowl, and they started going around, and they started passing out candy. What her mom wanted her to see is that when you and I give to other people, it actually encourages us. As she began to give away candy, everybody around there began to smile, and, and the people were encouraged that she was overcoming her trauma from her stroke and that she was working at it. See, when you give, it encourages you, but it also encourages someone else. See, that's the motivation curve. That's the growth curve. It's why we challenge you to give to your next step and to your church and things like that, because we know that there's a growth curve. There's a relationship piece to all of this. Hey, stick with us. We're going to open the Word of God, and we're going to talk about what the problems are that keep us from being motivated. Do life with one another. The reason that we tell you in this place to to get into a small group, get on a ministry team, is because you're going to be with other people and they're going to be around you and they're going to say to you, oh no, I've been where you are. I wouldn't do that. Or they'll say to you, oh no, I I, I feel like God is leading me. And you'll say, you know what? God is. This week, Jennifer was talking, uh, maybe it was last week, Jennifer was talking to one of the young ladies on the worship team and, and, and she was just talking about how important it had been to be a part of the worship team. And, and in, that, in that process, she shared how she was struggling with leaving behind some of the things of, of this world to follow Jesus. And she said, I was sitting and I was talking with, with Kelly and Lucia. And, and as I shared that what, what I felt like the Holy Spirit was kind of prompting me, I needed to give up. They said, oh yeah, you need to give that up. See, that is the encouragement of the body of Christ. See, the Holy Spirit will always invite you to be holy because He's holy. But sometimes we need brothers and sisters that have had to leave behind the world say, oh yeah, I gave that up. In following Jesus, my life has been transformed. See, I'm not what I used to be because of Christ Jesus. Now, you can't say that if you're dragging along the whole life. You know, you've got to at some point decide to cut off the old life. And see, holiness says that that God is worthy 
because of my love. Now, you, you don't hang on to all the phone numbers of your old, huh. you don't keep your little black book once you now have your beloved, do you? Do you? You need to delete some context in your file. You need to go into your address book and say, delete, 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 unfriend, unfriend. Why? Because they're taking you back to something that's not good. And see, what, what you and I are called to do, the picture painted here, we're to spur one another on, we're to meet together, we're to encourage one another. This is just part of it. Let me ask you this question. What behaviors are productive? What behaviors are productive for a godly life? Do you know what they are? Can you encourage that in somebody else? When you see someone and, 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 and they pray for another person, do you say, wow, great job, way to go? Because see, that's the behavior that'll produce life, right? When, when you're talking to a friend and they share with you a scripture or something like that, you say, way to go. Man, tell me where you got that. What did that mean to you? Encourage. Encourage one another to, to listen to God, to pray, to, to seek the Lord. Here at the church next door, uh, for years we did leadership night. We're resurrecting that this year, okay? We're going we're gonna to have one coming up in a few weeks, and, and I invite you to come. But this is what we always did at leadership night, and we will do it again. I always would ask people, so tell me this, um, d- do you have your Bible with you? And they, they'd say, yeah, I've got my Bible. I didn't. I would always give them candy. Because see, we wanted people to know that the Word of God is what, what drives our life. I said, did you meet anybody new? Did you meet anybody new when you were at church? Well, why is that important? Because we're always looking for that person that's, that's seeking God, that person that's, that's taking the, the step of faith to venture into a new area. Are you welcoming people online? If you're part of the online community right now, are you doing that? Are you talking to you? You remember their name? God keeps a list of names. Why don't you? I keep post-it notes in my Bible so I can write down names as I meet people. I've now, I've upgraded. I now use the notes app in my phone. I understand. It's a digital world, okay? I'm not killing trees all the time, just part of the time. You understand what I'm saying? And thirdly, we always say, have you prayed with anybody? Have you prayed with anybody? Now, I'm not just saying I prayed with my spouse over dinner last. I'm saying, no, no, in Walmart, at work, you know, in, 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 in the middle of life. See, those are the hallmarks of what it means to be an encourager in the body of Christ. Because every person, they're important to God. And we're always taking the Word of God and applying it to the real world we live in. That's what it means to be a disciple. That's what it means to be an encourager. If you want to grow spiritually, and I know a lot of people want to grow spiritually, but it's like, well, I'm just not, I'm just not ready to do that. It's, it's time for you to get ready. It's time for you to get ready. Encourage godliness. Encourage people to prayer. Encourage people towards God's words. In Acts chapter 11, we have this powerful story. Let me give you the context as quickly as I can. So the early church is growing. It's spreading. Uh, Jesus promised them that in, in Acts chapter 1 that it would go from Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Okay. So Jesus said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on you, and the church is going to grow. And at one point in here, um, they get word that there are new believers in um, Antioch. And, and the new believers that are in Antioch came because some people from Cyprus huh, visited Jerusalem, experienced what God was doing. They went home to Antioch. So 
These people were from Cyprus originally. They now live in Antioch, and, and they've been, I, this happens all the time. Someone will show up here and say, hey, um, I went to Tennessee. I heard your brother, and I live in Ohio, and so I thought I would just come. Someone did that last Sunday. This is part of the church. The church is always interwoven with other people. Someone will come up to me and say, Pastor, I heard you on the radio. I said, good, I'm glad you heard me on the radio. And I, I live in Bucyrus, but I thought I was in Columbus, and I'll, I'll, I'll come to church. See, this is the body of Christ like this. Well, the, the church is growing, and they said, well, who can we send to encourage these guys? Well, there was this guy who was a part of the, the church in Jerusalem, and, and he had this, this plot of land, and he felt like he was to sell that plot of land, and he gave, the, he gave, that would mean a lot in today's world with real estate the way it is here for us, right? He gave the money from the sale of that land to the church. And the church was in a desperate way at that time, and so they changed his name. They changed his name from what his mama called him, to Barnabas. Now, you know him as Barnabas because he became one of the key first missionaries of the early church. And, and this is really his first missionary endeavor. But the reason he got the job was because of the gift that he gave and it encouraged the church and they gave him a new nickname, Barnabas. Do you know what Barnabas means? It's Hebrew. Bar means son and Nabus means encouragement. Son of encouragement. That's why he got the job. Because they knew if they're going to help this early church, what's the most important thing we can do? We've got to encourage them. See, you don't, you don't beat the sheep. They won't come eat if you beat the sheep. You have to encourage the sheep, love on the sheep, feed the sheep. What did Jesus ask Peter to do? He said, feed the sheep. Hello, I know you're a bunch of urbanites and suburbanites. Forgive me. I'm not looking down on you. If you want to catch an animal, get out the feed bucket. They will come to eat. It's just like teenagers. <laughs> There's an animalistic comparison there, is there not? See what I'm saying? You and I are called to encourage. So they decide to send Barnabas. This is what they say. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad, and he encouraged them all to what? Remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. So what he did was he said, stay the course. Continue to worship God. Continue to love Jesus. Do you realize at Antioch we were first called Christians? Up until this time, we we're called followers of the way or followers of the Nazarite or, or, or Jesus people. You know what I'm saying? You know, but, but now we're called Christians. And it means that in Antioch, they talked about the fact that we were Messiah followers. That's what it means. Christ Christian means a Messiah follower. We follow Christ, the Messiah. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. It says that the, the revival was so great in Antioch that he ran off and he found Saul, this young Saul who became known as Paul, this young, young man in the way. He brings him there to preach his first sermons because he knew the best place for somebody to preach is the midst of a revival. It's easy to preach in a revival. You can just tell people, raise your hands, and they get saved. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's so much fun when, when the Holy Spirit comes in and, and, and brings revival like that. Encourage people. Run towards God. It'll transform your life. The, the word here 
that is, is translated encourage is parakaleo. It's a Greek word. I've got a, a graphic for you here. Uh, this, this Greek word parakaleo, it shows up in the New Testament 109 times. Now, what's interesting about that is when, when we translate parakaleo, depending on the context or whatnot, they may change the, the word to a different word. So it shows up urged, begged, Beg, comforted, pleaded, exhort, appeal, pleaded, invite, receive, encourage. So it's got all these different places. So when you and I read it, we don't see parakaleo because 109 times. But, but at times what it, what it says is, it says they beg them to consider the gospel of Jesus Christ. And other times it says they implore, implored them. They, they, were, they were like pleading with him, please, you can't, you can't go back to the old way of life. It won't do you any good. So The New Testament church, they understood that one of the major roles of of being a Christian was to encourage people, to challenge people. Let go of the old way of life. Follow Jesus. It is the answer. You're on the right way. Keep going. You've got it. Keep going. That's what parakaleo means. But you and I, we miss out on that, unfortunately, because in English, they don't always write in the margin. This is parakaleo again. This is parakaleo again. See, the New Testament was written in in Greek, but it doesn't mean you're missing out on it. You're you're getting the truth when you read it. I just tell you that to amplify the fact that the New Testament church, they believed encouraging people. In Acts chapter 16, it gives us another parakaleo moment. It's, it's It's a powerful time. It says, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging. The word begging there is encouraging him. Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got up ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. See, there's always this connection between parakaleo and evangelion. Parakaleo means encouraged. Evangelion means the good news. Preach that Jesus is the Messiah. He died on a cross, he was buried, and he rose again. And so the church was constantly being encouraged to tell people, no, what you've believed in, when you believe that Jesus died on a cross, he was buried, and he rose again, that's the transformative power, the healing power, the the power of God. And wherever they went, they would tell people about that. And wherever they preached the gospel, people people were forgiven their sins. They were delivered. Many times people were delivered of demonic forces, evil forces, old ways of thinking, the lies of this world that says you're not important. No, no, that was all all let go of. People were healed. They saw this. They saw the work of the Holy Spirit. And people began to live holy and pleasing God lives. You and I are called, you and I are called to encourage the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, what's interesting about this little passage with Paul was Paul had been wanting to go into Macedonia. He'd been saying, God, please let us go into Macedonia. And God kept saying, nope, 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 nope. Finally, he gets this dream. And here he hears God saying, parakaleo. And he's like, oh man, we're in. God says, we get that in. Have you been praying for your neighborhood? Have you been praying for your neighbors? Have you been praying and said, oh God, how do I share Jesus with my neighbors? I want to know the right way to do it. What what is it that's keeping them from you? God, would you just show that to me? God, give me an open door to my neighbors. God, would you open the door to my neighbors? Would you open the door to my neighbors? God, I can't wait to share with my neighbors. Would you open the door to my neighbors? This is the excitement of the New Testament church. I pray for that for you. 
You know what I think? God spoke to me in a dream last night, and I don't take this lightly. If you've been around here for a while, I do not say these kind of things. This is not my deal. I am not into manipulation at all, okay? But last night I had a dream, and in the dream, and I don't, I'm I'm telling you, I don't do this. Last night I had a dream, and I felt like in the dream God said, tell the people to pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. See, what people need to know is that when the Holy Spirit comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, it brings a spirit of holiness. And it doesn't just impact the church, it impacts the world at broad. See, it was the Holy Spirit that brought you into a church for the first time in your life. The Holy Spirit said something's not right, and it directed you. I've had people tell me all the time, they say, you know, I've been driving past this place, and I keep feeling like I'm supposed to pull in, I'm supposed to pull in, I'm supposed to pull in. And finally they pull in. That was the Holy Spirit. I will tell you this. You can tell the Holy Spirit no for a long time, and then he'll take your no. Don't do it. Don't do it. If God has been convicting you of a sin, do not give him the Heisman forever. You know what I'm saying? It's time. It's time to relent. But church, I want to invite you, begin to pray. Say, Lord, would you pour out your Holy Spirit? Now, beware of this. When you ask the Lord to pour out His Holy Spirit on your life, you're welcoming Him to tell you the things that you need to stop doing as well as the things you need to start doing. Okay? And you need to be willing to listen to Him. One of the things that's interesting to me that people miss on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes, what the people in the crowd said they heard them saying in tongues was, they said, you were declaring the wonders of God. A lot of people put something into that context that is not there. They say, well, we, they, they believe that, that Pentecost came so that you and I would have the ability to speak about the gospel of Jesus Christ in people's own language. It's not what happened. They heard them declaring the wonders of God. See, when you welcome the Holy Spirit into your life, the wonder of God comes into your life. And you become transformed. And you begin to say, I thank you, God, that you are my Redeemer. I thank you, God, that you part Red Seas. I thank you, God, that you have delivered me from sin. See, those are the wonders of God. The wonders of God is the miracle that separates us from the sin of this world. The purpose and the work of the Holy Spirit is to testify to the power of God in our lives. That's what it does. And so when you and I pray for the Holy Spirit to come, what's going to happen is people are going to say, you know, I was just convicted that I needed to stop doing this. You know, people, people tell me, I was convicted that it was wrong for me to live with somebody that I was not married with. And, and I didn't want to shame them, but I knew this was not working right. And they walked away, away from that. When I was in college, uh, I, uh, at the University of Tennessee, I was part of InterVarsity. I was one of the leaders, and uh, so I, I had a similar job to what I have now for InterVarsity and that, that I, would, I would welcome students to their large group meeting and I would teach there at times and I would host other people. And, and one of the young guys that, that I was discipling, Clark, I remember walking with him down the hill one night and he said, I don't understand why you can't just have a beer. And I said, what do you mean? I can have a beer. And he said, but you never do. I said, that's right. He said, why not? 
I said, because there are other people watching my life. And if, if they see me live a life that would somehow cause them to take a pathway that's not good for them, a beer is not that important to me. You see, as a, as a disciple of Jesus, sometimes people think, well, just because you have the freedom, the New Testament says, doesn't mean you need to do that. Have you thought about the clothes that you wear? I mean, are there times when the Holy Spirit should say to you, is that really what you should wear as a Christ follower? Because we wear clothes at times. We, 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 believe, we are a t-shirt wearing generation, right? And sometimes they're kind of cheeky and they're kind of funny, but sometimes they really don't, don't exemplify. Do I, am I saying that you need to wear Jesus, Jesus? You? No, I'm not saying that. But some of our things that we wear, they connote darkness, evil, wickedness. Don't do it. Don't share posts that are ungodly. People, we are called to be a holy people. And what I'm saying right now is I want to encourage you, live a godly life. You and I are called to live a godly life, a holy life, a pleasing life. Have nothing to do with ungodliness. This is what, what Paul is, is saying to the church here. This is what you and I are invited to. We are called to encourage the gospel. So what's the problem? Why do you and I not do it more? Why do Christians not do it more? I believe, I've identified at least four of them. The problem of can't versus hypocrisy. We live in a world that says you can't say this, and they just can't wait to tell you that you're a hypocrite, okay? I was reading recently uh, about um, a Nobel Prize winning uh, man. Here, I've got his name. His name is Sir Timothy Hunt. And, and in 2001, he gets a Nobel Prize. In 2015, he's at a, a celebration in South Korea for uh, women scientists. He's there encouraging women scientists. However, someone in the audience um, misheard something that he said, and they decided to tweet it out that he was some sort of anti-woman, misogynistic, I don't know, dinosaur. And because that person had a lot of followers, it became the big thing. They tried to take away his Nobel Prize. They, they, they got him removed from multiple things. And, and, and he had to go in hiding for two years for the truth to come out, for all the people that were in the room to say, no, he never said that. And see, you and I, you know, we, we, we live in a world where people are just looking for an opportunity to cancel. And at the same time, we're worried that if you and I are bold and say that we're a Christian, we know, this is what we know, we know we're going to slip up. We're going to have a bad moment. We're going we're gonna to swerve in, some, in front of somebody on the highway, and, and we're going to do something we ought not do, and the next thing you know, we're in a post somewhere, and we're worried. And see, can I just tell you this? Do not worry about hypocrisy. Hypocrisy just means you took a sand for something, and you missed the mark. You and I live in a world, we need more morality. We need people that will stand up for a moral system. Miss part of the show today and want to hear more? Well, you are invited to download and subscribe to Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. You know, prayer changes our lives. Prayer of agreement is powerful. Well, we're together right now. What are we waiting for? Can we just stop right now and take a moment to pray? Hey, today, let's pray that we would partner with God's work. 
that God would show us the right places to help and to serve. Lord, um, we don't want to be like the person who buried their talent that you spoke of. In Scripture, you said that the one buried their talent, and and you looked at him and said, why, why did you bury your talent? You, you could have at least gone and invested it in the bank. You could have taken what God had given you, and, and you could have used it and gotten some interest back. See, you're expecting us to produce fruit. And so today, this is what we're praying. God, we're praying that you would show us how to partner with your work. We want to be a good investment. Now, you've given us life. You've given us breath. You've given us creativity. We're image bearers. We have, we have financial resources. We may not be rich, but we're at least like the widow who gave you two copper coins. God, we're going to begin to bring to you our best. And today we're praying, show us what ministries, what work, where are you leading right now? We want to be a part of it. We, we want you to show us, bring someone new into our life. Give us a new job assignment we're, if that's what we need. If we need to refresh the current job assignment we have. Lord, if we need to repent, because we take it, we just want you to know right now, God, we are your partners. We come alongside you, Jesus. You are our master. You are our Lord but you're also our friend. Show us, friend, what you're doing. Show us, friend Jesus, what it is is on your heart right now to accomplish. Oh, we are a friend of God and we are a part of what you're doing and we want to celebrate today. We joyfully, we joyfully are yoked to you. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light. We are not doing this alone. You've called us to partnership. And so we partner with you. We are not alone and separate. We are part of your body. And God, if we're a pinky, we're cool with being a pinky. If we're an ear, we will be an ear. But God, we are your partners. We are all in, God. We say yes to you. In Jesus' name, help us to partner well. Hey, thank you for praying with me. You know, I believe prayer is powerful. We should pray first and ask questions later. And if you'd like to be a part of the prayer ministry or part of this ministry, I ask you to go to yournextstepnow.com. That's right, yournextstepnow.com. Give us your email address, and we'll give you our free ebook. It's a prayer guide, a daily prayer guide right there for you every day. Be a part of the ministry of The Church Next Door and Your Next Step. This has been Your Next Step a ministry of the church next door in Columbus, Ohio. We hope this has been an encouragement to you as you seek to have a deeper faith in Christ. If you'd like to hear today's show again or share it with a friend, look for Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. We'd love to see you soon at the church next door. Easily find our service times and our app. I'm Pastor Doyle Jackson. Join us again next time for Your Next Step. I believe you're going to find people that have a genuine love for God and a genuine zeal for the truth. You don't have to dress super fancy. It's so lively and it's so much fun and just you leave like, oh, so refreshed. And I know I keep saying family, but that's what this place is for me. It's family. I'm Doyle Jackson, pastor of the church next door. People keep telling me how good it is to worship God together again. Well, Come join us. Visit us online at thechurchnextdoor.org. Stories are a way we relate to one another. It's hard to underestimate their importance. Wessler Media is here to help you preserve those stories that you hold dear. 
we'll produce a personal podcast, an audio scrapbook that will preserve those memories for generations to come. Get in touch today. Call toll-free or text 1-833-38-STORY, 1-833-38-STORY, or visit wesslermedia.com. That's W-E-S-S-L-E-R media.com. The production you just heard was carefully crafted at the studios of Wessler Media. For more powerfully engaging podcasts and other audio content, visit wesslermedia.com. Stories of overcoming adversity, intense and unexpected twists and turns, education, encouragement, and plenty of those, did you hear that, moments. Hear more and talk to us about creating your own podcast, from large and detailed projects to smaller, more personal-sized productions. That's wesslermedia.com. W-E-S-S-L-E-R-Media.com.